Well, it's great to be back after a bit of a podcast holiday. Episode 280 is upon us, and so happy to have uh, back friend of the podcast, Chris Walker, uh, who last joined us about two years back with a, with um, two back-to-back uh, epic episodes. They were amazing and uh, uh, really well-received by everyone. If you haven't listened uh, to those ones after this one, you might want to go back and uh, listen to those. It's more of a peek into Chris's backstory and uh, his pro career and, and things like that. But this one's a bit different. Uh, we sort of pick up where we left off, though, uh, almost literally, because at that time it was during the COVID uh, period, uh, towards the tail end of it. If memory serves, uh, Chris was soon to embark upon uh, his duties as head coach for India's national team. Uh, so we flesh out uh, on today's episode, we flesh out how that came about and how things have played out for him and the team since he took on that role. Uh, Chris, also, we we talk about several other uh, interesting uh, topics as well, uh, including uh, the Mustafa Asal band, and we look back uh, as well at a few of the characters uh, during his playing days that may have made uh, life interesting and a bit difficult for for officials and for spectators alike. Um, now, just in terms of the assault ban, I'm going to chime in here before we get into this episode, just because I feel I, I should say a few things about it. Uh, it's Assal's third uh, ban since joining the tour. Uh, which for someone of his stature uh, has to be, I'm I'm assuming it's unprecedented. I'm probably uh, not the only one in the squash community who feels that this is all getting a bit tired and played now. Um, I used to contribute a lot to uh, forums and conversations regarding, uh, you know, how my feelings on on us all. Uh, But I mean, the banter uh, back and forth right now, all the conspiracies, who's right, who's wrong, the whole nine yards, I mean, uh, it's getting a bit tired now. Uh, You know, to be honest, uh, you know, I've been and rightfully perhaps at times accused of uh, being an assault apologist. Uh, uh, now now that the, uh, the PSA has done what it's done and been uh, transparent in terms of the band specifics, uh, I think this is a good thing uh, for squash overall. And it's spelled out uh, in the following way. Let me just go through the uh, penalties here. Article 4.0 L abuse of racket or equipment article 4.0 unsportsmanlike conduct which occurred during the match with uh, Joel Macon in the world championships in May uh, article 4.N physical abuse and article 4.P dangerous play during his match against uh, Joel Macon assuming uh, obviously that's the incident where he hit Joel uh, on the forehead with his racket Article 4.0, the unsportsmanlike conduct. So I'm a, obviously that would be the incident where he uh, grabbed Mazin's hand as he was passing through or his wrist or uh, as he was passing through to get to the ball uh, there in the T area where they were jostling for position. And all of this, I, I would assume, is all it's all tied together with aggravated behavior according to article 6.c okay so that's how it's all been laid out uh the penalties the 12-week uh, ban 
Now, um, I look at it this way. Assault's ban uh, more or less sets a precedent now, and it's uh, based upon a body of work as well. So let's assume that all of the above are deserving, uh, particularly given the body of work. Then uh, let's see uh, you know, similar actions and punishments being taken going forward uh, against all players making violations in the same vein. Uh, there are a number of players who... Uh, you know, if you look back, they do have a bit of a body of work. So let's see how, how this all plays out going forward. And uh, there's no question that in both the men's and women's game, we've seen uh, a lot of very poor on-court behavior and borderline dangerous behavior, unnecessarily uh, physical play, which has come over the past couple of seasons and until now uh, it's seemingly being overlooked by the PSA disciplinary committee. Um, I would say there are players who have also, uh, like I just said, amassed a, a decent body of work over the past few seasons. So Article 6.C, which cites aggravated behavior, ties all of the violations up into for, for us all as I'm as I just mentioned, into that 12-week ban. So uh, clearly the body of work is an important part of it. And uh, let's see how, like I mentioned, see if it plays out going forward uh, in that way for other players who have been uh, perhaps not equally as egregious as Mustafa, but have built up a body of work and have, uh, you know, which has resulted in uh, uh, behavior unbecoming of uh, the PSA uh, pro tour. And we'll see how it, how that plays out uh, uh, in the 2023 season. But what's also a head scratcher here <clears throat> is the 12-week ban, which commenced uh, July 18th. And uh, this barely has an impact on the 2023 season. Uh, the only event that Mustafa will, the only significant event, I'm assuming that he would want to have played, and I think maybe he was registered or was in the draw already, was the inaugural, inaugural uh, event in Paris where Camille Serm and her team uh, have put that together. And so uh, for those who may feel that he's been hard done by, the fact that Assal's been hard done by, uh, the fact that the 12 weeks started close to a month ago and is playing out while no squash is uh, being played, it's more or less a carrot for, for us all. At the end of the day, though I'm hoping two things uh, come of this. Firstly, um, Mustafa continues to improve in the areas that are holding him back. Uh, to me, I felt uh, uh, this occurred to a certain degree, uh, particularly during uh, since his time that he started working with Mohamed El Kai. And uh, with any luck, hopefully we'll see more inroads be uh, being made at the beginning of 20. 23 when Assal uh, returns to court in October. Uh, also, uh, secondly, and perhaps more importantly, uh, the Assal ban will help clean the game up and we'll see less unseemly behavior on court from all the players. Assal, uh, perhaps, if he wants to view himself, uh, you know, maybe this is a stretch, but uh, view himself as like a sacrificial lamb almost in terms of, you know, how he's been punished, which was well-deserved. The punishment was well-deserved. But if the PSA follows through uh, by penalizing all players in, in this way, then this could be a watershed uh, moment for the game, particularly uh, at this point for its uh, watchability and its marketing, which took a real many steps backwards, uh, has taken many steps back over the past uh, couple of seasons. So 
those are my two cents uh, worth. I really didn't flesh it out as uh, well as I could have or as much as I could have, but uh, perhaps I'll, I'll send something out in writing at some point uh, over the next uh, couple of weeks and uh, <clears throat> discuss this uh, at even greater length. But uh, let's get into episode 280. But before we do, let's talk Open Squash, sponsor of this podcast for the past year and a bit, and a very, I'm very proud of uh, having that relationship with them. They are the New York-based nonprofit dedicated to bringing thousands of new people into the sport by making it more accessible and more affordable for everyone. They've brought on board several like-minded PSA pros, like world number one, Ali Farag. What a season he had last season, as did uh, Victor Quinn and Gina Kennedy, all of whom proudly wear the Open Squash mission on their sleeve. Let's give you a thumbnail of the Open, of Open Squash's mission to start uh, this return to uh, the podcast today. Uh, they're on a mission to build health, well-being, and community for people of all backgrounds, skills, and ages by making uh, squash more accessible and more affordable for everyone. Now, if you want to donate to Open Squash and help them uh, see their mission come to fruition, which they've uh, they, they've done uh, so very well already. Your donations uh, can offer discounts uh, on memberships, their Junior Squash Academy tuition, Junior Squash summer camps, which are still ongoing, uh, and all of these qualify uh, for both adults and kids. You can visit, visit the Open Squash website at www.opensquash.org, and you can discover there how to donate to the Open Squash mission. And many thanks to Open Squash for, their, uh, for sponsoring this pod and for everything that they do to make squash more accessible and more affordable to everyone. Now, all right, uh, now that was a bit uh, of a longer intro, intro than the usual, but uh, without further ado, let's get going with Squash India's national team head coach and two-time World Open semifinalist, friend of the podcast, Chris Walker. But uh, uh, Chris, it's great to have you uh, back on. I think uh, we did uh, two in a row the last time and they were they were hugely popular. So uh, I'm sure this one's uh, not going to be much different. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Part three. Part three. <laughs> so are you okay? Are you good to go? I'm good to go. Just like right. Mission Impossible Part Three, right? I don't know what the box office returns were on on the third one, but we'll see what we can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, well, whatever. Well, the latest one was fantastic. I don't know if you saw that one, but uh, the new the new Mission Impossible Part whatever seven or ten or yeah, whatever <laughs> it is. Yeah, like Tom Cruise still, you know, acting like he's 25 years old doing stunts coming going off the mountain sides and stuff like that i haven't seen yeah, it but he, did, seen he it. did one on a motorcycle yeah he just yeah off the top of a mountain on a motorcycle right Incredible. so i see yeah <laughs> i see a lot of promotional stuff and i actually read a good article about him in uh the new york times this uh this journalist went went over to england in search of finding him um they'd heard that he was kind of um Lock, not locked down, but he, he had a, a bolt hole near Biggin Hill, which is an, an airport, kind of a, a small airport, um, which does air shows in England. And uh, there was rumours that he was, you know, he had a nice place around there. So the journalists went around there and walking around the public footpaths and talking to the locals. And the locals are like, oh, yeah, he, he's around, he's around. But no one ever saw him, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Uh, nor, did the, nor did the journalist, but it was a good article anyway. 
Yeah, no, it was, I uh, saw the movie. It was fan. I mean, those Mission Impossible uh, that franchises uh, they never miss. Uh, every every one of them's been fantastic. Ooh, I I must say it. Yeah, well, I, I, the latest I, one. Uh, uh, but may, maybe you want to take your your kids to go see Barbie as well. So uh, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> My wife sees Barbie. She thought it was quite good, and it's all about the. Diversity yep. and equal opportunities now, isn't it? So I don't know. Oh, yeah, it's like a political uh, lightning rod movie. One of these. Uh... Oh god. <laughs> Anyways, way, we won't. We won't get into that. Well, we'll let's just talk squash here. Uh... <laughs> All right. If you yeah. if you insist. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess uh, a good place to start would be uh, just sort of how how are you enjoying? Uh, I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but. Uh, you know, uh, your time with um, with Squash India, you took over, you took that role on. I guess it's been uh, about a year and a half, maybe more, since you took on the role with the national team. So uh, just to give people who may not know uh, uh, that, that you're doing it, uh, how, how did the opportunity uh, present itself to you? And uh, what was it about the opportunity that uh, sort of gave you the impetus to take it on? Yeah, good question. Um, well, I mean, I, I first heard about it just from an advert online, and a friend of mine kind of just sent me a link to to uh, you know kind of this opportunity. Um, you know, Squash India, the Indian Federation, were looking for someone to work with their national team on an event basis. Um, so you know, not not being based in India, um, with some camps and some other you know possible work. Uh, with the team as well so you know I, I, my current scenario being at the river club in new york city and and my wife Nile as uh you know assistant pro uh, coach at columbia university there as well yeah, yeah. We, we were not looking to move out of town but i was definitely you know looking to keep my connection to the top of the game and I, you know i love working with the top players and so you know and several have come through the city that i know and friends and uh, you know, happy to always jump on court with them. So something a little bit more um, s- solidified, really, would, uh, you know, that's what perked my interest is that that being the potential. So, so you know, I applied for it and and had several discussions. Um, obviously, the I think the first, I think it was advertised close to the start of the pandemic or maybe even before it, and then the pandemic uh, delayed a, a lot of things um, to start. Uh, but in those conversations, you know, I was um, very keen to to get involved. And um, the events were you know, coming up at that point were the World Doubles Championships, the Asian Games, and um, they were the main two really. And then the Commonwealth Games was a couple of years, and we've had that also. So, um, I guess those those are the three major events at that point um, when we were first talking. And you know, I I felt like New York was a good base for any of the pro players on the Indian team to come through and work with me if they were on their way to a tournament or they wanted to, you know, have a little base between events uh, because obviously they're not traveling back to India and some are not based in India as well. It's, it's um, so I thought New York represented a good, a good hub for them as well. So that was part of the package. And then, you know, my commitment time-wise apart from being whoever's coming through New York city, uh, which is easy because I'm at the River Club anyway, would be for for camps um, in the run-up to the major events and obviously then those major events. Um, so that that was, 
you know that was the conversation they liked the idea of that i you know i was i was um on board my club was on board for the extra time that that would have taken me you know away from the club um so so there it rested for a little bit and then and then i you know i got offered the position um in that kind of format and um I guess it's going back to I'm just trying to think when I got offered the position because COVID did <laughs> freeze everything and then obviously the Asian Games moved, got moved to September this year and they were meant to be last year September or October last year so I think uh, um, you mentioned yeah. something about it in, in the in the podcast that we had if memory serves it was something that was sort of in the works but it, it hadn't been uh, firmed up and uh, uh, right so yeah, yeah. So that that was going to be kind of the 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 pinnacle of the or the, the end of the of the uh, series of commitments for me to you know to Indian squash and then we were we'd obviously talk after that. So obviously the delay I think um, meant that uh, the first event that I actually um, took the team to was the World Doubles, which was in in Scotland, and it was um, I'm just going to it's 2023 20 to march april 2022 so i was offered the job before at the end of 2021 was actually when the position was um you know kind of firmed up um and then from there we were trying to get some squad activity at the river club during the tournament champions but obviously that got delayed because of uh covid as well so it was a very very uh uh, unpredictable time and difficult to navigate uh, with the players not knowing where they're going to be as well and trying to get people together and obviously travel issues as well with but with players just trying to get in and out of countries being in bubbles for events yeah so it's very it's pretty complicated start to trying to get something going but fortunately um you know we got through the woods and and the, the world doubles was the first event um so that was that was mixed and men's and women's doubles, and and that was uh, that was kind of the first time that I got together with all of the team. Um, although I'd uh, you know I'd seen several of them um, just because I know them anyway. You know, like the Josh Nur and Sora in particular. I mean, that, that, as a first event for you, I guess that 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 would have been sort of interesting because you have a fairly sort of decent doubles resume, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, that was part of obviously part of the pitch for me. I, I, I have, I, I won the world doubles championship with Mark Cairns back in the, uh, the, the inaugural year actually in Hong Kong. Um, and then played in the doubles in mixed and men's doubles in the Commonwealth Games, um, in 98 and 2002 and won some bronze medals there. So, um, yeah. So, you know, I, I definitely got some good doubles experience and felt that I could. Um, you know, help um, with the team in the doubles as well as the uh, the singles. So yeah, that was that was definitely a big part of of India's requirements, I suppose, as when they were looking at who might take this place. Right on, and they did uh, re- pretty well in the Commonwealth doubles, didn't they? I think, if if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'm sorry. The, uh, India did did well in the Commonwealth doubles. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not so, sure. Uh, but the world doubles, I, I don't. My my uh, memories in that 
that good these days but the, the commonwealth yeah, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to remind you okay. i'm happy to remind <laughs> you um, because uh Sorav and Depika won won the mixed world doubles and Depika and Joshna won the women's doubles as well right so that was okay. you know that was great um the the uh the men's with Ramit and um at that point we had uh Vikram as well Vikram Mahotra and Ramit Tandon um didn't get medals but um you know they were there as well competing and uh and uh, all getting good experience and obviously learning a lot, but uh, but yeah, so we had a good, a really good world doubles. Couldn't have been better, really. Um, right on, great, a great way, a good way for you to start the uh, start the Walker era there. Start the campaign, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> so you know, so the build build up for the Commonwealth Games was was great to have that kind of confidence um, with uh, you know with with their ability, and then obviously. Um, there were a few videos of the matches that we could look at and kind of just tweak different things. Um, Sorav's very experienced, Dipika very experienced, you know, playing together for so long now that they uh, they kind of they know each other's games very well. Yeah, so, it was well, aren't they? sorry, aren't they somehow related? Right? Uh... Um, yes, they are related. Um, and I'm gonna get it wrong if I say what it is, but uh, Sorav is Sorav married to Topeka's sister? Maybe I something. That's like it. That. I think that's it. Yeah, <laughs> He's married to some cr- uh, former cricket superstar or something. Uh, and Topeka's married to um, yeah, who's now commentating at Sky TV. Right. Um, yes, uh, that is true. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's uh, just take a look at, I mean, uh, just look at the team in general. I mean, obviously, uh, the mainstay players there over the last few years, at least uh, in terms of PSA, uh, we see Joshna and Sorf, uh, you know, performing reasonably well as Sorf the last couple of years has really raised his game, actually. Uh so uh, just in terms of the team, uh, how's the future of the team looking and uh, just in, and uh, Indian squash uh, overall, how's that shaping up in your estimation? There are some younger players coming through, obviously, but you've got, uh, you know, Josh Nasorov and, uh, you know, Vikram uh, uh, Ramit as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, it's it's pretty healthy. You know, it, it's improved a lot in the last, 10, 15 years as far as creating um, a platform for kids to come through the system. There's, you know, there's there's 30 to 40 junior events now around India in, in the year. And that really, you know, 15 years ago, there were five or six, right? So there's a lot more potential for the kids to get matches and be seen and, and you know, and, and come through the system. The uh, the national federation is based in Chennai, which is where the um, the national training centre is. Um, so you know it w- it would be nice to have more centres connected to that um, in a deeper way than just you know more clubs around the country. But you know as you're talking about progress and you know looking to the future, these are things that can get better. Um, but there's there's a there's a lot of good kids there and um you know i've seen a few that have come to chennai while i've been there with the national team 
Um, you know, you've got someone like Velavan, right? Um, he's maybe the under-19 um, uh, world champion, right? Our British champion. And, um, and, and there's a couple of other younger ones coming through. And, and in the women's game, you've got Anna Hat Singh, who's, you know, 15, yeah. 16 years old now. And she had a great experience at Commonwealth Games. Um, and she's, you know, on that path as well. You know, Relevan's a little bit older now. He's based in Spain at the moment. Um, so, so there, you know, I think, I think the channels are, are open well enough to, to provide the resources and, and kind of the springboard that, that the kids need to, to break through and, and cut, you know, and get into the, to the, the top level. Um, and India have got things in place to be able to do that. They have, do have some good resources and support from the government um, to get to get that um, and make those things happen. Um, and you know, a, a little bit of flexibility on kind of case by case basis as well. I think so. Um, you know, Anna Hat's at school, but she's doing quite a bit of traveling and um, doing her classes online and, and playing, you know, playing tournaments. So um, that 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 needs a lot of management and, you know, with the father who travels with her as well. So, um, you know, I think they're very, uh, they're very switched on to, to being flexible enough to make things happen um, for the younger kids coming through. And then, you know, those kids are, are getting a chance to, to be in the, in the second, you know, in the, in the teams and some of the, the big national events, they, they sneak into the team at three or four and, and yeah. get the chance to really, um, you know, experience the events that will ultimately be the ones they want to win, you know, like the Commonwealth games and the Asian games and, um, Asian doubles. And, you know, I think doubles is, um, certainly a, a big part of, um, of the game in Asia, uh, as well as obviously around the world. So, uh, all of those things really work together and, and the Federation are, are really working hard to try and make that happen. And then you've got, uh, I mean, you've obviously, you've got uh, two, you've got Josh and Saurav, both of whom are, you know, they're, they're tremendous role models. Uh, Saurav's fantastic uh, role model role model for the for the young guys coming through and Josh and the same for the women so it must be great to be able to tap into into that uh, experience and and the type of people that they are uh in order to sort of create sort of what you're trying to do over there yeah I mean they're both just great examples for the kids you know um and those coming through they they they're very experienced they've been around a long time and you know and, and their preparations um and their professionalism really are the things that the 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 younger kids notice as they you know you come to the come to the courts in Chennai right when Saurav's there and he spends twenty minutes half an hour warming up doing a lot of little exercises before going on the court that you know attention to detail and then the same he warms down and then he's got his drinks and thinking of nutrition and. Um, you know, and then trips to, for the physio, and and so that whole it's a twenty four seven thing is you know managing yourself as a squash player, and you know he's refined that um, to the nth degree, and he does a lot of work with Dave Palmer, and goes over to Cornell to do that, and he knows exactly what he wants, um, and he's tweaking that you know he's tweaking those little 
things that make a big difference under pressure towards the end of big matches and that you know you don't you don't necessarily know you don't necessarily know what they are until you've had some big matches and made those errors <laughs> right yeah. and well, then you go proof. back and work on them yeah the proof's the, in the pudding for him too i mean he uh you know he's one of the game's elder statesmen now and but he's still you know going out there <laughs> more or less injury free uh playing very well and uh, he's one of the you know fitter guys uh out there as well yeah it's a body work that's over that he's you know he's done over time it, it's you know it's you look back on 10 years is right five ten years is that sort of daily daily work and focus and dedication and management and professionalism over over a long time that gets him to that point of being incredibly fit and knowing the court and moving well and not getting injured and knowing when tournaments, uh, what tournaments to play and when he needs a rest and all these things. And, and, you know, and then ultimately the technique and what he needs under pressure in the big points in the big matches, mm. because he's been there and, and gone through all of that. So he's, he is, yeah, he's refined. He's still, motivated obviously the Asian games is a big thing for him as as it is for Joshna as we're talking about you know the, the top two players um and and they're constantly both of them constantly refining the the smaller details of of their game knowing what they need to do um you know if, whether it's just that one backhand drop shot that they want to play against a particular player and under great pressure but knowing you know knowing those weaknesses to to practice it day in day out for hours right because then yeah. then it's going to work in that moment and you can be supremely confident that it will otherwise there's a bit of doubt and 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 uh you know part of it is is getting rid of that doubt and and building the confidence and really the only way you can do that is from all of that work that we're talking about yeah I was going to, uh, I wanted to ask you about the World Cup in Chennai, which took place, I think it was about two months ago. But before before I do, uh, just uh, just wondering, uh, you know, Indian squash, I mean, uh, we see they've, they've got a lot of good juniors. They've got, uh, they've had some success uh, at the top of the professional game. Uh, but I'm just wondering, like, um, what it, what is the squash scene like there as compared to, you know, not the pro scene, but just the gen generally speaking, from what you've seen, uh, what what's the the squash scene like there as compared to maybe uh, what we get in the UK or or North America, where we have sort of private clubs or people play at universities uh, on those courts. Uh, what what is it like in in um, in India in terms of that squash community there? Yeah, I mean, I'm still learning, right? I'm still learning. I've been there a few times now since um, starting, and there's a lot. There's a lot going on. You know, you've got, um, you've got a, you have got some kind of you want to call them uh, underprivileged kids. You know, the 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 ones from the ghetto. That there's a few pockets where they do have access to the to courts um, from donations of people's time or you know access to a a, a court. Um, and a coach um so there's a little bit of that going on um right at the grassroots level the the club scene i couldn't tell you if there's more or less clubs now than you know 10 years ago i i honestly don't know there are some private you know membership clubs but but there's also there are there are quite a few courts in in the main cities of of uh of india that that uh you know kids can get access to 
And I guess, you know, I get, I get a feel like, uh, cause I, I work with a, a fair number of Indians and they, a lot of them play, uh, play badminton and a lot of them are there. I don't know if they're members, but they, they play in these big sort of, maybe it's similar to what they have in Egypt, these big clubs where they, mm-hmm. they go after work and they bring their families and there are several different sports that they can play. Maybe badminton, if we're lucky, there's squash. Maybe there, there's a football pitch, a cricket. I guess it's a pitch that you play on in cricket. I don't know. Uh, but but some, something along those lines, uh, which is, uh, uh, I'm not sure if that's the case for the squash community over there, but I that's what I gather it's like for a lot of, Indian families, they they do it here. Actually, they they have these sort of clubs that are fashioned after that type of uh, theme with with different little sports where they can go after work and bring their kids and where they play. Right. So I don't know how many clubs are like that. I think there are a few. Um, you know, because I I when I go to Chennai, I'm I'm at the national training center so i kind of see the i see the kids that have come through from the schools around and and then obviously the pro players who i'm working by the way it's only one beer uh chris sorry i didn't Uh, notice i uh, it's actually cider we i ran out of water and uh uh i'm (laughs) thirsty (laughs) definitely improves your interviewing skills (laughs) i'm loosened up i've loosened up a bit yeah (laughs) i'm drinking sorry about that yeah that's all right. I'm drinking water because I'm at altitude and I just feel de- dehydrated if I sniff a beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but um, no, it's a really good question. I don't think I'm, you know, the, the best versed to answer that in great detail. Um, but, but, you know, I, I, I know there's a bit of cross-pollination with, with um, you know, like badminton. Um, I don't think there's quite as much as, say, in hong kong where um and china where i know that some of the badminton players that don't kind of make it in badminton have a have a go at squash because of the same kind of you know fast twitch muscle and fitness and speed and low center of gravity and all of that um but i I, you know i don't think it's as clinically done in india um maybe maybe the kids are just you know they're just getting an opportunity to try these different sports one thing that is definitely uh, more prevalent now is the knowledge of access to you know a great education in the states if you're a good player and uh, and you know, want to get into a college in the states have a great educa- education but also now you know have an incredible squash experience for, for four years while you're doing it i mean i've been over in the states now for 22 years and i've seen the the change in in the uh you know the depth and strength of uh all of the colleges and the recruiting value of those positions going up and and you know it's 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 pretty unbelievable now and you know in the last 10 years you think ali you know ali farag's come through and um so you know so many um, so many great players right now yeah and there's, there's a lot of great players gone yeah yeah but yeah. i think in india too i mean uh, they place such a uh, an emphasis uh, it's like a lot of asian countries do on, on education of their kids and i think uh you know having your child uh educated in america one of the mm-hmm. you know, maybe even an ivy league uh university is uh you know something that you know they 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 dream of probably 
yeah and that's and so that you know that knowledge is now is now well ingrained in the system there and you know the the, mm. the those private clubs that we we're talking about and and the the parents that um can get their kids on the squash court and give them some good coaching and kind of you know help feed us you know they want their kids to do a sport well squash is a great sport for many reasons plus now you know university education and the states and being recruited and 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 you know that's very that and that that uh there's several indian players that have already gone that route right mm-hmm. so um it's not new now um and and i think you'll just see you know some of the players coming through um that's that's a that's a part of the the pool of talent that that uh india you know has their base and their grassroots to 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 pull from to to get the you know, the top players yeah yeah definitely well well i i and i guess that uh that's exciting for you because that's going to you know they're going to be pushing hard to to get to to raise the bar in terms of their squash so yeah i can't constantly now and yeah and you know when you look at there's you know 30 to 40 junior tournaments a year now in india it's just more competitive there's more kids there's um you know there's more desire for the parents to get their kids to play to be noticed to get into the you know the national junior scene and then you know ultimately into the team and and then get exposed overseas at junior tournaments like the us open canadian open where where there are a lot of these college coaches that are that are recruiting and you know and 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 the the college coaches are also occasionally you know they're out of the country they're out of the US and they are you know on the ground in places like India where there are you know the major you know the major junior event of the country might be of interest Egypt obviously India I guess it, uh, it, it would it would sort of make sense like if you you know the recruiting is a big big thing in u.s college sports and I, I would imagine it's you know you know given your college has enough money to send a recruiter over to india that would be you know a, a you know a lot of good juniors over there so it'd be worth the trip you would think well then you get your, your then you just get ahead of the game a bit don't you if you get to the to the tournaments over there in in these countries where the, the kids are good enough to be a great college recruit and your college has got, you know, a, a, the, the finances to provide for that trip. Not all colleges will, but, you know, most of the Ivies now and, and a lot of the liberal arts uh, colleges will provide, you know, that ability. And, and it's really important. It's it's actually very competitive now to get the better, you know, the top players from overseas into, into these colleges and, you know, lots of different reasons for that. But it's very exciting. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, that bodes well for you, I guess, and for Squash India uh, going forward. Um, but the World Cup uh, took place. Yeah, back to the World Cup. <laughs> back to the World Cup. Yeah, Chennai. And uh, everyone I've spoken to has raved about it. Uh, they they said the event was just that was amazing. Uh, maybe the result for, for India wasn't uh, what you would hope, but uh, I guess you guys lost to Malaysia in the semi, but just talk about the event and India's result uh, overall and uh, how uh, you're going to build on that going forward. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a WSF event. And I, I have to say the I really enjoyed the format. It was very exciting and, and, and less predictable 
because you know we played just you know for those that didn't don't know the scoring system it was best of three games uh, best of five games up to seven points yeah but if you got to six all it was sudden death um and so you won the game seven six and uh, and then you know two men and two women um in each team and um so the whole match a whole match you know um india against malaysia would would take you know two to two and a half hours right it was a really good format um as i said lots of exciting squash and and many games getting going to the wire yeah um well because because it's more urgent um definitely fast paced but less of the attritional side of uh you know of of play going into into the matches because because there's only the seven points to to really work your opponent you so a, a little bit of experience there um having played in i think psa or you know your pro squash when you did have the option of choosing uh one or three right were you, you were you playing at that time i i played in the english english um super league it was called i think and we played up to 11 up to 11 but you had to win by two clear points so i remember one of my first matches against tim garner we played we played and i think the first game i won it 21 19 <laughs> so it wasn't quite then the attrition came in again but but um so i you know so i i played up to seven just for fun you know back in the you know just just for fun but but um no when i was pro i was you know, I did start playing up to nine English scoring. Yeah, which is which that's is when, different as well. I, that was amazing. And then up to fi- up to fifteen, which when you got to um, fourteen, all you'd go set one or three. Yeah. So, so that's up to fifteen. What was, that's, that's what I was referring to because I, I uh, okay I, I, right yeah I can remember but that's twice yeah. that's twice as far right up to seven is is you know not even half as much yeah. basically so difficult to compare so no I, I haven't really played any any competitive pro matches like that um and i you know i thought it was i thought it was great it was you know it was a shame we couldn't pull off a win in the semis um Saurav was carrying a little niggle on his knee um which really didn't help him and um and the way they scored the points is the number one men and women's match is worth two points and the number two men's and women's match is worth one point oh and so so uh yeah so obviously that that was uh that was a big sway against exactly. us in in the semis and then uh, and then so yeah Malaysia got through and played Egypt in the final and it was again it was another another exciting match which Egypt uh what does it I mean, what does it say yeah. about Egypt I mean they they sent their D team <laughs> I, <laughs> I was going to say that because Ali Abu Elainen uh, I mean he's a fantastic he's a fantastic player uh, very very I mean great to watch very exciting he's got all the shots fit uh what do you think about his game I, really good yeah i mean i've seen him play a couple of uh couple of matches on online as well you know streaming and um i mean he's he's, he's uh young but he's got every you know he's got a lot of weapons and he's quick and uh he can be quite deceptive at times and uh yeah you know, I, I, you know an, another one of the 
Egyptians that uh, you know it's just a matter of time really you just know you know he's been doing a lot of the right stuff and he's yeah. going to get a bit bit you know fitter maybe a bit mentally stronger a bit more you know a bit more patient cut down a couple of errors um and uh you know and, and uh, he's he's got an exciting future ahead for sure um yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just uh, amazing that they 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 sent a you know a very, a very some very good players, but they were, I mean, they weren't their best. Uh, wasn't their best uh, squad. Uh, no, it would have been interesting to see you know um, Ali and Mustafa. Or, I don't know who else they might drag in, but <laughs> yeah. uh, if it get <laughs> get Marwan in before he he went to England. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, but then he, then he probably wouldn't have gone to England, right? Because he couldn't have played for England for two years. Um, but but uh, yeah, I mean, it just shows us the depth of the Egyptian, you know, the Egyptian kind of um, world at the moment. The squash world there is very impressive. Um, but also, you know, it, it was an experimental format, so um, so it, I think that was also a good leveler. Um, mm. And uh, you know, kudos to them for you know picking picking a strong enough team to win. <laughs> and yeah, and, uh, yeah we just—it's just a shame we didn't get to play them in the in the final. But you know, it was a, it was a it was a really great event. The, the glass court was put up in a in a shopping mall. It's been put up there before. It's a beautiful kind of little theatre, um, and the shopping mall's got four levels of viewing. So you know, oh, it's wow. kind of a, a semicircle. Um, looking down onto this area which um which is where the court was put put up and you can just look down from you know three near the ground level and then three further heights down to the court and uh and get some different angles and so it was fun actually just walking around and looking looking at the court from from different angles like you're in a drone you know you could almost just oh i fancy watching it from you know just behind the the yeah. top front light <laughs> yeah and then kind of like go up there and look down through the roof it was kind of cool so what's your next what's the next uh uh thing for you there with with uh with the team with team india so the, the next the next event is the asian games which um okay which we'll be traveling to on the 21st of september and the where are they I being held uh squash starts on the 26th it's been held at a place called hang hang Choi. If I pronounce that correctly, in China. Oh, great! Okay, Hang Choi. And so, in June, just after actually, just after the the World Cup, um, we went. Uh, I took uh, I took two mixed doubles pairs to um, to Hang Choi, um, which is where the Asian Games is being played. They were kind of testing out the the you know all of the helpers and the whole system and how the squash area was going to be worked and managed and entered and accessed and all of that so we had a mixed doubles the asian mixed doubles championships there um just after the world cup which was which okay. was fun to be at so it was, you know it was quite good actually to to see the whole facility which is unbelievable jerry i've never seen really? yeah. a facility like it it's um there are three glass doubles courts in a row yeah set up three glass doubles courts in a row. And then behind them, separated by a massive screen, are four glass singles courts. 
And then there's a separate glass singles court, stadium court for the finals, for the for the singles event as well. So, wow. um, you know, the most spectacular squash facility I've seen that's the most underused one because I think the aging, you know, this mixed doubles event was the only thing that's really been played there. So they're going to... They- they're they're planning to really unveil it for for the Asian Games. Is that that's the exactly? It's part of the Asian Games, which were scheduled for last September. So you know, it's basically you know this place in China, massive ah. building that's been kind of empty. Um, I, I guess maybe some of the Chinese are practicing there and getting a bit of doubles in, but um, but you know, it's state of the art, beautifully, you know, just beautiful courts and. Uh, yeah, so it's going to be a great event, and I've never been to an Asian Games either. And you know, I hear it's probably There's a lot of tradition there too. Right, well, yeah, India have, have had some good results there. So you know, Saurav, Saurav in particular was very hungry to get back there, and uh, you know, and uh, kind of a cherry on top of his squash career cake. <laughs> I yeah, guess last uh, I was at the Asian Games when they were in uh in the in Korea in Busan Korea and I saw Rebecca Choi Choi Rebecca Choi uh, she won the gold she beat Nicole David in the final. Oh, okay, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, yeah. Ong Bang Hee won the won the gold for the men he beat uh, Mansoor in a great match in the final there. Bingy, yeah, he, he was a great player. Now oh, a yeah. U.S. national coach. Yeah, oh, he had a fan. Oh, the best match of the tournament, though, was his semi against uh, Shahid Zaman. Sh- oh, yeah. He was going for shots on everything, off of everything. <laughs> Shot player, definitely. Yeah, yeah. shots and, and so quick. He, he was both him and Monster very, very, very quick around the court. Right, right. So yeah, so you know the Asian Games is is uh, you know comparable to the Commonwealth Games or the Pan American mm-hmm. Games, right? And I, I think there may be more athletes in in it than the Commonwealth Games actually, um, but it's you know certainly up there with one of those world events and and one of the one of the main squash world events as we still uh, uh, not in the Olympics, unfortunately. Yeah, it's an exciting event for the, especially for the, for the teams, like I would assume for, for teams, especially like Korea or even Japan to some degree, China, uh, you don't really see much of their, you know, many of their best players at, at the top of the game, but they do have some decent players uh, uh, from what I can see. Yeah. It's, and, and, you know, for a lot of these teams, it's, it's kind of their, it is their, it's their big, event of the year or every two years or every four years right this is this is um this is the big one and and they're all hungry to to do uh, you know they're focused on peaking for that event and uh, and the training and everything else goes you know to to arrive at that event ready for action so yeah they can't can't underestimate underestimate any of these guys really well, uh, all the best in your preparations with uh, for that, and that, that's a big one for you as well. So uh, now I just want to shift gears, Chris, Thank if you, you don't mind. Um, uh, and I know uh, I'm not sure how much you're following the program, but uh, obviously the big news uh, that came out uh, this week was uh, Mustafa Saul has received yet another ban. I think it's like a 12-week ban uh, from the tour, and it's his third uh, since he took – since since he uh, started playing on the pro tour 
So just wondering, I mean, uh, you know, just wanted to get your your feelings on on that uh, on that situation uh, with with us as all. I'm not sure how far yeah, yeah. you are. So with then, is that is that for the uh, racket grabbing? Uh, yeah, there were three separate um, three three separate um, violations, and I don't have the three here in front of me, but uh, definitely that was one of them. I think another one was for dangerous play, and that might have been when he allegedly uh, intentionally hit Joel Macon in the head with his racket. Right, and then uh, but but that, that to me, so. I mean, I, I don't know if that was intentional. It was definitely an aggressive. He tends to get. He gets aggressive. I, I wouldn't say a lot of it's intentional, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, know. yeah. I mean, I did, you know, the, the racket, the, the racket, gri- you know, grabbing grabbing the racket <laughs> out of your opponent's hand as they're trying to go and play a shot. And with with about six video cameras all around the yeah. stadium as well. I mean, I just can't believe what are you, what are you thinking when you're doing that? Um, you know, he's a great player, right? He's, he's, he's definitely bringing the game forward and raising the bar and challenging all. And, and so that's good. He kind of the McEnroe of tennis in a way, but, you know, squash is both players are in the same space and the same floor space and tennis, you're opposite side. So you never have, um, you know, so the comparison kind of falls short really then. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like it's a shame that he, has to do these things and whether they're on the spur of the moment or, you know, he's got this kind of street fighting, you know, when he grew up, I don't know what was happening, but there's, there's, <laughs> there's things there, right. That, that have, that, that come to the surface in these moments and, and, and they're not pretty and, you know, but everyone has kind of, some you know some version of that in themselves i guess but but you know when you're a top pro player you have to you have to be disciplined and manage them otherwise you're going to get bans um you know probably not a long enough ban in my opinion to really s- let it sink in to him to to you know he has to kind of get in line he's a great player but he also has to respect the game and his opponents. And, and, you know, I, I, I haven't seen, um, I haven't seen enough of the recent matches really to, to, uh, to say much more than that. I've seen, but I, you know, I feel like I've, I've, I've seen enough to, to say that, that he's just got to try and, um, He's got to he's got to hold back. You know, he has to manage himself better on the court. He can't do these things, and and then you know it's hard for the PSA because they obviously want their great players to to be out there in the spotlight. Um, but you know, at the same time, we have to kind of manage um, manage manage behavior like that to ensure that the the sport. Um, is shown in its best light or as much as possible and you know I, I just just uh, <laughs> that, that, you know he's still young he's, he's yeah. you know he has to mature a little bit I mean he came to you know he came to my club at the river club and um, and you know and and so I, I met him and um, you know it's a silly little story but I you know I may as well tell you since obviously no one listens to I uh, this podcast, no. <laughs> but, 
but you know he came to the club and it's an all whites club right so we're in the we're in the changing room and i just mentioned that to him and so he puts a white shirt on very respectful and fine and then i took him to a to the court to practice and let him practice and away he went and i went you know, about my own business um at the club and i came back and he was wearing a black top okay <laughs> right and so yeah, yeah. you know it's not it's not a big deal in one way, but it is in another way. It's, it's, you know, it kind of speaks volumes of where he's at right yeah. now. You know, lovely guy. And, you know, you can hang out and talk to him or whatever. And, and, uh, and, but, but there is this little, uh, you know, he wants to dig it officialdom or something that, that has to, you know, you kind of got to get, get, get in line to some point. All right. We still want the great player. We still want, the tenacity and everything, yeah, yeah. but yeah, everyone plays by the rules, right? Well, there's, and there's a lot of tradition in squash, and you know? uh, he, he needs to uphold uh, that that tradition, uh, the history of the game. We haven't really seen any of this before, have we? Right, right. Yeah, not 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 in uh, not in this volume, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, uh, yeah, you said um, that maybe maybe the ban wasn't quite. Uh, long enough and i, I or, or I, I think yeah. i think i think it, it comes to an end in october so like they're only going to start playing in september how many events is he going to miss one two i mean that that's not that's exactly what you're saying right so the psa yeah. sort of gave him a lifeline i i think with you know 12 weeks sounds like a lot but it really isn't not in the middle of the summer no no so yeah you know so it's it's yeah it's uh I don't envy the PSA in trying to manage it. Um, and, you know, I, I, I look, you know, I, I look forward to seeing him play again. And, you know, I, and, and I just hope that, you know, things get, are being refined along the way. Right. Everyone, yeah. everyone has things they have to work on. I was definitely not, um, you know, white as white when I was <laughs> younger either. <laughs> Yeah, but, but you well, know, hopefully, uh, when he passes through New York, he, he'll have uh, several white. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when he listens yeah. to this, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, he'll to... be listening. He'll be listening. Great, great. Well, <laughs> I hope he takes it the right way, and um, you know, because I do, I think he's a great player, and and uh, you know, it, it, yeah. it's very exciting to watch him, and he's bringing the game forward, and all those things are great, and people want to watch him, and and you know, he can. He can be that sh- showman and that uh, exhibitionist, but you, ha- you know, there's take a step back and just look at the bigger picture um, at times, and you know, and, and things like you know the the hit of, you know, obviously he won't go back to when he hit um, Lucas Sermon the eye, right? I mean, that yeah. was another unbelievable yeah. choice unbelievable choice right and then that's these are the choices these are choices he's making and and that's where he's just got to look in the mirror and 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 you know i can think of other players that have have turned the corner and and made you know made those steps to refine themselves and and that's part of getting better right he's just going to get better yeah i mean look at a guy uh i mean not to this degree but i can remember jonathan uh, power back when he was a junior in canada and he was just um, you know some people just wouldn't they'd walk off the court right they were walking off (laughs) right playing them and uh i mean he definitely he i mean he turned the corner 
in a way, I would say more discipline wise to, in terms of, you know, paying attention to, to detail in his own game and, and maybe uh, a little bit with regard to his on court uh, behavior. Although that, that, that was part of the package with JP though. Right. Right. Well, I never saw, you know, is it, yeah, it was mostly internal stuff that bubbled to the surface of him right rather than um <laughs> but but you're right yeah you're totally right i mean he, he definitely um hated losing and you know i've it's been called he's you know done a couple of interviews recently and it's been nice listening to that as he's reflected on his career and you know he's he's pretty honest really when he yeah. when he uh does talk about how he was and how he worked on things and what he realized he needed to do to to you know to be the best in the world and also you know within the rules <laughs> yeah do you see you know i'm just one like over the last year or so you i've seen on, online i've seen some junior events where you, you you see a little bit of you know what we see you know the dark side of the pro game that we have a, a little bit of now it's kind of bled into uh, a bit of junior squash i don't know i mean you you've seen a fair amount of junior squash uh over the last little while have you witnessed any changes in that in that way um so so i you know i i haven't been to many of the major junior events in the last couple of years but i am constantly um you know working with kids and also talking to the all the other coaches right um all of the coaches that that uh, that work with these kids and go to these events and and it's you know it's kind of a resounding feeling that that the kids have got to kind of get back in line you're right it's not Mm. um it's not pretty there's a lot of mimicking going on and 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 this is the other part of not that you know not that the top players in the world necessarily care about what the juniors think because they want to be world number one and they want to win the british open or the tournament champions right um but they are having big influences on the kids and as they as the pros get older they realize that more and they put more in the game and kind of you know remember that that they were those kids once and you know and they they refine themselves but there's a lot of younger players that are getting a lot of screen time um pro players that are getting the screen time and that behavior is is getting copied you know it's just copy stuff but it 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 may you know it has definitely been noticed by all the coaches that I speak to. And that's a lot of the coaches that go to these events and it's not good. No, you're right. It's, it's something that we do need to address very quickly before it goes out of control, because, you know, if we, if these kids are, are coming onto the pro circuit already, you know, like little animals um, with <laughs> yeah. not much refining, you know, not much kind of, teaching of the right way to play right and actually how to behave if that if that isn't being installed at a junior level then then we're just going to see more and more problems coming up with the younger kids coming through yeah the ps i mean um i mean when i was a junior i used to try to mimic all all the top players that i'd see on on video we didn't have access to uh squash tv back then but uh I mean, I, I think I saw a junior event recently. It was on YouTube, and the kid did the alley, did the uh, sorry, Mustafa saw hand grab. He did that. 
as the guy was passing through. Well, you know, there you go. You can't really, yeah. what can you say to that, right? I mean, I that's mean, the perfect example, isn't it? Yeah. So, but uh, I mean, there were, wow. think, thinking back to your, your playing days, uh, Chris, you know, there were several players from, from yesteryear. I hate to term it that way, but uh, they also pushed the boundaries with, with officials and uh, on court shenanigans. And many of whom you played, uh, the names like uh, Tristan Nancaro come to mind. JP, obviously, Anthony Hill, even Jancher, because he he was no tour. He had a reputation as being uh, the best blocker on tour, I think. Uh, so, uh-huh. what were some of those? I mean, some of those matches like playing against players who uh, could be unpredictable in that way uh, on court for you? Yeah, I mean, we we didn't have the video reviews, right? We didn't have all of this. Uh second bite of the cherry and appeals that uh that are yeah. you know you're able to have now and you get a, a little minute's rest while they're looking at the video review as well um <laughs> and you know there, there was there was stuff going on on the court for sure and um, and and the referees you know is a different era i suppose so i think um there was definitely pressure put on the referees and the referees dealt with it. There were some horrendous decisions and, you know, matches probably did, you know, sway depending on, on those decisions. And so without the video reviews, you were kind of, you're, you know, if you, if you upset the referee too much, right. And then the referee starts giving a couple of points against you, you're actually shooting yourself in the foot. So you end up, you have to manage yourself and the way you're putting pressure on the referee if you're if you're choosing to do that. You got to play the game, um, don't you? you it, yeah, it's, it's like that is the game within thing. the game, right? Yeah, politics there. Not that I, I, I did. I, you know, I, I look back. I didn't see many players having a beer with the referees at the bar in the evening, you know, before or after matches. That it was, it certainly wasn't, um, you know, at that level. But um, but there was, you know, there was a lot of personal you know comments to to the referee and trying to win over um you know trying to win over and and that was definitely you know kind of part of the game i suppose is what sort of work worked for you like uh just in terms of maybe this is a, a lesson that can be learned not not necessarily because like you said there's the video referee system but there's a you know a, a way to sort of get on the side of the official by being sort of respectful, I guess. Yes. Yes. That's the hardest thing is to take a bad decision, you know, something you think is a bad decision and then just play the next point, right? That's the hardest thing. Um, And there's, there's, I think there's lots of different solutions to, to, to this, you know, problem that you're asking. And it just depends. For me, I, I felt like it just depended on who my opponent was and, you know, on the day a little bit too. Um, I think, you know, most of the time I got on with the refs. I, you know, I didn't agree with all the decisions. I'd have an argument every now and again if, you know, I strongly felt against it. But then I tried to, you know, make sure I didn't lose the next point because of that 
you know, I think that's a big thing is to to really focus and get on with the next point once you know you you've the decision's made, right? That's that's um that's a big a big thing. Um and I don't know, um just trying to replay a few you know, I think with with players that were getting in the way or trying to, you know, get longer rests in the game, I mean my my solution was to just play every ball and get through and try and extend rallies and yeah. keep the referee out of it actually you know i felt like well that's a I lesson think- that a lot of i mean even like a guy like uh Esau, i mean he he can learn from that just just play play through the interference get to the ball keep the rally going that's what what the player yeah you know i mean that's 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 where you've got all these different players with different skill sets and different levels of fitness. And you're not, you know, you're not going to find someone that's not, you know, if, if one player thinks, well, I'm not really quite as fit as this, you know, the guy I'm on court with, I need to be more skillful. I need to move the ball around a bit more. I need to kind of like set traps and, you know, and, and take my opportunities that way. That guy is not going to be the one running around, picking up every ball, trying to, keep the rallies going right the tack that would be the tactic for the guy that is a bit fitter and feels like he wants to get his opponent tired so so you know and all that that's just one nuance in in the in the moment and in the match that you're talking about and you know so it is it's always difficult isn't it it's always difficult we can probably go around in circles and think about back then when there were no video reviews to now when there's video reviews you've got different tactics going on with the video reviews because if you're really tired well have a video review you know it might make the difference between winning the next three points even if you know you've lost that one right yeah. so so they, they that definitely plays into the into the game a little bit um and you know back back in the day it was you know as always the referees have a big part to play um and yes, when they when they knew they they had to to uh, they were they were marking a match uh, with with uh, with maybe Nancaro or or Hilly, uh, they probably had uh, you know maybe maybe the situation would be would be a bit different under those circumstances. Yeah, well, I think everyone would want to go and watch that match. You know, oh, Nancaro is playing Hilly, right? <laughs> all the pros are going to be there to watch it, right? And then you yeah. think, well. I reckon the referees, and back then there were two referees, they would have, they would be up for it as well, right? They would have a clear vision in their head of what they want to do, and then, and then it was kind of like, and so, so you kind of knew what was going to happen at the start, but then how it played out could be anything. You know, Tristan could get so upset with one decision that he'd just hit the ball into the, you know, into the roof ten times in a row and walk off the court and not care at all um hilly could possibly do something similar yeah because of the referee and then you know they could wind each other up a little bit and one could go the other way but if they were both there on on their best day tristan would not give up hilly would not give up and you'd just get a sublime game of squash and there would be the niggles and the referees would get involved but they were but they were, you know, the the both of them would be set on playing a, their sublime game of squash. Yeah, so, they were both that good, weren't they? Yeah, you you know, you could just see some fantastic squash, or you could see a complete head off for ten minutes and then come back, you know, on loads of shots, and suddenly, 
you know, Tristan's hit 10 winners and has won the game. And, and, and then, you know, what's Hilly going to do? And then Hilly comes out and does the same or, you know, just, it yeah. was it was you know very unpredictable i suppose there's this classic photo i, I saw uh, a, a little while ago of tristan in between games in a in an event smoking ah well very good <laughs> you have to ask him about it. you should get him on and I, I, i'm going to we we spoke about because <laughs> <it. laughs> I, I know brett my brett martin smoked a bit as well but i know that he smoked mint cigarettes so it's a little bit of a okay thing so you know i don't <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i remember playing a tournament actually i remember playing a tournament in calcutta in india it was a centennial it was a centennial celebration of the calcutta club and there was ross norman myself brett martin and we were playing kind of a round robin exhibition there um i can't remember but tristan might have been there as well actually but anyway they were there and the reason i remember they were there is because in the opening and 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 the tournament was sponsored by a cigarette company okay yeah yeah. right that's the important thing the tournament was sponsored by a cigarette company pockets yeah deep pockets so anyway so ross norman who was at that point the ispa president right now psa he said a few words at the opening function and uh and he said you know i want to thank the sponsors of you know for for um you know sponsoring this event we're all excited to play i'd just like to say that you know it's great to have a sponsor you know it's great to have this sponsor but i can assure you that also playing brett martin is also dangerous for your health <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah 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 so uh yeah so that's the only time i played a tournament sponsored by a cigarette company okay <laughs> yeah well back in the day i mean there, there was a lot I, mean, I think even in other sports some of the great baseball hockey even rugby or whatever players some of the old old school guys they they did they did that they smoked at halftime or whatever it was uh i'm sure a lot of that that went on but not now uh body is temple body is the temple yeah i mean it's all yeah. about you know it's the evolution isn't it evolution in all these areas it's it's how do you get more out of your body and and you know how do you how can what what things can you change well you nutrition mm. and hydration and more specific training and you know working on your technique and working on your mental side you're still you're still pretty fit now aren't you chris like uh, i mean i I try to stay fit i i I work out every day play squash a couple times a week i think i'm as fit you know i'm focusing on fitness more than i ever did it's unfortunate that the the body uh, at times doesn't hold up uh, the way it used to yeah yeah no i I still play um you know and 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 i love i love playing and i feel like i need to be fit to play right to be in shape so i've I've never really lost my my fitness um i've gone through phases where i haven't done a lot and you know mostly because i've got two kids um one one is now two and one is three and a half coming up to four years old so you know right in the thick of it so priorities change and i try you know but i do try and sneak in some training at, at, at my club when I'm when I'm there in the day, you know, working. So, um, and I feel like my training has definitely changed over over time as I've got older. I I don't I don't want to do I don't perform my best squash if I do long runs or long attritional 
circuits or reps anymore it's more about speed and you know shorter duration pressure work and some with the ball and some with not and some ghosting and some court sprints but you know i used still to doing run court sprints sorry court sprints court sprints you're still doing them i mean yeah yeah i, I do okay, that, 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 that's the mark of old that's old school training right there <laughs> but i i actually do more i've got a go you know I, I, i've got a ghosting footwork pattern that i do mostly i mean i do i do court sprints Nails when i'm getting 100 the, the, the yeah very much like that very much like that okay yeah yeah it's it's actually it's it's I think it's 70 shots, 10, 20, 60, 70 shots. Okay. Depending on how I feel. Session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the longest. That's kind of, that's my long kind of longer rep. And I might do two or three of those. Or I'll go down to short sprints, 10 seconds of sprints and do 10 of those with a minute rest in between. When you um, do your yeah. 70, do you do uh, what kind of tempo is it? Is it up tempo or is it a mix or? It's, uh, I, I <laughs> generally, I feel like I'm just hanging in. Hanging in after the first six or seven, I go, oh, this is great. And then it's, then I'm just hanging in for the 64 more. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, but, I guess that, that, but yeah, what, what it is, what it is with the ghosting, I think it's great because I, I just focus on my footwork, making sure I get my feet right all the time. Mm. And then and then that helps with keeping the pace up. So if my feet are right, I can kind of keep a pace up. And then if I'm focused on that, I'm not really focusing on the fact that I, I need more oxygen in my lungs and, and uh, that side of things is uncomfortable because I'm, I'm trying to keep the same footwork, footwork and the same pace of that footwork up. And, you know, I can see if I if I have a spell where I do three or four weeks of that. I can I can really feel the difference from the first week to the fourth week. It's like night and day how much better my body. My body kicks in really well mm. after, you know, after a week, you know, just four or five sessions. Whereas, you know, back in the day when I was a pro, I would be doing four, you know, I'd be doing nine good sessions a week over a 12 week period. And I'd start to feel them all working well after like week six or seven, right? Where everything was starting to really go nicely and and not everything was really painful. So, you know, I think there's a lot of muscle memory or, you know, the body, my body's obviously kind of used to some degree and has got the muscle there to deal with what I'm throwing at it. Yeah. Um, because of what I've done in the past. So, but definitely cut down. I don't do long, long stuff now. I don't, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to do a marathon or a half marathon. And I, I used to run a couple of half marathons here and there. Um, yeah. The, the, yeah. If I want to move well on the court, I need to make sure, you know, I've got good cardio, but uh, I need to be able to twist and turn and, and kind of, move quickly be 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 explosive so that's really what i focus on. agility is the thing that that I, that i've really noticed uh, i've lost a bit of you know i'm not as quick to react uh, the way i used to be especially like a quick especially if i'm playing a younger guy you know as well you know they're, they're quick onto the ball and they're quick to to get it back yeah. 
to hit it back to you and sort of the, the reaction. Yeah, I, th I think uh, so some of that. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely there's definitely a you know loss of speed, obviously, and off the mark. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that also the body because the body's a bit slower and the you know the reflexes are a little bit slower. If you can if you can realize that and kind of merge that into the way you move and play, you'll probably actually pick up and read the ball better. But you need to do you need to do exercises, routines with the ball. Like, you know, you need to rally down the wall with someone and you know, one of you can put a boast in, right? So you have to cover the boast and and break break your movement down to just to remind yourself how to cover the two you know the back left and the front right or the front left and the back right with your with your current capabilities yes right it's it's the timing of those the timing of your movements that really need to get looked at as you get older because you're you're not as fast so the timing's different so you can't in your head think about going in the same way as you were before and and i you know i felt I've kind of seen that more in the last few years and last three or four or five years of, for me, because I've started to play a bit more singles again. I was more focused on hardball doubles and, you know, I, and obviously I'm slower, but there was, there's been days where I pick up the ball better than other days. So yeah. I started to look at, I started Please. to look at <laughs> my, yeah, well, I started to look at why that was happening and trying to, trying to see why that was happening. And generally it is, I start moving better after a series of, you know, a week or two of doing routines and exercises that that set up these options to, oh, I've got to cover the front left and the front right, or I've got to cover the front left and the back left, mm. right? And, and so once I start covering those within a routine, if I'm doing, you know, if I'm driving down the wall with you and we're driving up and down the wall and you can play a boast whenever you want, and I have to cross court lob it back to you. We're driving. I, I can start. I, I start refining my movement, my timing. I get my timing for for me now. Not you know, it's not the same as twenty years ago, where I can kind of like you know, I can. It's it's different. Twenty years ago, I could I could kind of explode at the last second. Whereas now I'm I'm kind of hovering more, and then. And then watching you more and timing off to the ball um, at that, you know, at my own at my own pace, which may be arriving at the ball a little bit later, but yeah. that's okay, right? That's okay. So basically, I'm, what you're saying is like you you ju you just made. I mean, your game's different, right? Without you playing know, within, take, 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 take age out of the equation, even though it's a big part of it. Uh, your game's different now, and you you you've made adjustments based on the way you play the game. Exactly. So you, yeah. yeah, you can just ignore age and just okay. I'm I'm slower. I'm just I'm just. This yeah. is my speed, right? Yeah. I you know this is my speed. So that's it. And you know, I can do training to make myself a little bit sharper or you know sustain my speed for a bit longer but basically yeah i'm i'm so was I'm that frustrating to... for you because uh, i mean i know that was your <laughs> your skill set one one of one of your big things was just how how many balls you were able to get back and get back really well cuz you you were quite a quick player yourself 
back. Yeah, well, back. I mean, it's yeah. frustrating when you, you know, if I'm playing a decent player that's, mm. you know, that's quicker than me and that is kind of like on a, you know, if I'm playing a pro, for example, practicing with them or someone that's that's uh, that's up there, then yeah, it it is incredibly frustrating. Um, but that's life, right? That, there's not a lot I can do about it um, except <laughs> yeah. try. Yeah. Except try and try and limit their options and and cover what I can, so that it's constantly, you know, bigger picture. Going back to you know what you were saying there, the bigger picture is that I'm still refining myself. I'm still trying to do things the best I can, and I'm still looking for the best way to do it. And what you know, what can I do to achieve that? So, so that's what's exciting is that that even though you know i'm not as fast as i was and not as quick as i was and all of that i i'm still i'm thinking of the process mm. it's the process and that's constantly changing and evolving and the wow. challenges are different and so so i don't know if that helps with my coaching because i you know I, I i can see working with younger kids and you know pro players and all of those in between and and also players like a couple of years ago a guy wanted to play in the u.s open over 70s mm. and so i worked with him for four four or five months um in the run-up to that twice a week and um you know and, and was sensitive to what their challenges were rather than just imposing you know oh let's get you fast, let's get you faster let's get you fitter it's like yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, it's a different. Everyone's got to play the best. I guess uh, you know the best squash based on the best version of of yourself, right? Right, right. You're not going to make someone change their game massively in five months when they're sixty, you know, sixty wow. or seventy one years old, right? <laughs> but there's a lot. Of, there's things you can do to 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 work on to improve. So you know that. Those are those things. It's a process, and I like and I love the process. I think that's what keeps me in the game personally, and playing doubles and playing singles and um, and all of that is that you know the the underlying process keeps revealing new opportunities to learn. I can really see just talking about this with you now. I mean, the, the you know what a great coach you must be because you're just able to break it all down so so easily and so well for for someone like me who's going through. It's a bit of a frustrating time sometimes on court because I do sometimes I'll play younger guys who aren't as good as me, but they're, you know, they're, they 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 can beat me because of the, the these issues I have. Maybe not adjusting my right. game the way I should adjust it. I'm trying to play their game, uh, and I uh, it's not uh, not all it doesn't always work. But uh, but Chris, you you've been tremendous with your time. We've been it's been an hour and twenty minutes. I don't know if you uh, if you have time to just sort of take a quick look back uh, at your two. Uh, I mean, you had two semifinal appearances in the World Open and the World Championships. Uh, one in 1993 and the and the one in '96. In '93, you lost to. Uh, to JK, I believe, in four. Uh, uh, was it Jahangir? Uh, Jahangir Khan in four. And then you lost in five uh, in 96 to Rodney Isles. So, I mean, 
obviously the Isles match is probably the one that uh, you 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 would have had a chance a, a better chance of winning that one. But of of the two, uh, yeah. uh, what what uh, just just talk about both of those if if you don't mind. No, I've got to pick the kids up. It's one thirty here, and and I need to I pick them up from camp. Okay. But that means we need a part four, and man, those two matches have a lot to talk about. They have okay. a lot to okay. talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, well, let's do. I mean, the way we did this <laughs> last time, we did part. Uh, we had, we had an epic first one. Did the second one, which was better. And uh, yeah, let's do this uh, a fourth one. You let me know. This, this is a taste of like against Jahangir. That match was was um, that was the last match Jahangir won on the PSA tour when he beat me three one. He then lost to Jantra in the final and retired. That was in okay, Pakistan. Okay, and, yeah, yeah. And then against Alzi, I actually had match point, and uh, and it was American scoring, and I remember I had the most perfect opportunity to win the match because I buried him in the back left hand corner. He hit a cross court, loose cross court onto my favourite backhand volley, and I. Could see it coming. I anticipated. I was there. I was all over it, and I played it and hit it about six foot up on the front wall, <laughs> oh, okay. and didn't win that point. So I didn't win the match. But that was also, um, yeah, that was we also. Can, uh, we can talk more about that because both those matches are. Uh, I mean, to get to the semis uh, of that event twice, uh, real feather in, in your cap, especially given how deep those draws were uh, back in in the day, Chris. But uh, you got to pick your kids up from camp. I can't keep uh, Dad uh, away <laughs> from that. Uh, Chris, really appreciate uh, today, and um, let's firm up a uh, number four over the next uh, next little while. All right. Okay, Joe, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much for uh, having me on again. And uh, good luck with all of your future ones. And uh, yeah, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Have a, have a great rest of summer. Well, that was absolutely amazing. Many thanks to Chris uh, for doing that. And I want to wish him and his family all the best uh, during their vacation there in Mexico at his wife's in his wife's hometown. Uh, now, coming up on the podcast, uh, we've got up-and-coming British talent, former British under-19 and British Junior Open champion Tori Malik coming on this week. And she's got the British Nationals uh, coming up uh, in about a week's time where I think she's playing Lucy Turmel in the first round. So uh, there are no easy matches on in the men's or the women's draw, to be fair. Uh, Mohamed El Shabagi seeded one on the men's side, and uh, Gina Kennedy, I believe, on the women's. Should be very exciting and a great way to sort of get the, uh, the new season sort of started um, with some amazing squash there. Uh, I think the, the Pro Tour will start in Paris uh, for the most part, the, the big event there that's being put on by Camille Serm. Uh, I think that's in September, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, have to check the calendar on that one, but that's coming. That's not too far uh, down the road either. So lots to look forward to. Really great to be back uh, with the podcast. We've also got a few more uh, good ones coming up in a few weeks' time. So uh, stay tuned for those. They'll, they'll be coming fast and furious as... Uh, I get my feet wet once again. Everybody take care and uh, enjoy your squash. In the meantime, I hope you've uh, had a good uh, bit of a downtime away from the game. I, I took a few weeks off, maybe two, 
maybe a month or so where I didn't really uh, pick up the racket, been tra training a little bit, but uh, got back on court in full last week, uh, had a bit of a, a few few difficult days getting around after that one, but uh, looking forward to uh, keeping it going throughout the, the remainder of the end of the summer on into uh, the squash season as well. So I uh, hope the same is uh, the same goes for all of you. Enjoy your squash, stay healthy, stay fit. And again, thanks for listening. Tori Malik coming up in a few days' time, so stay tuned for that. Goodbye now. <laughs>